Lone Star 187 is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Carrie. And I'm Brittany. And we're Lone Lone Star 187. Today, today we have some guests on our show, on our podcast show. This is not a show. Well, sometimes it is. It's a shit show a lot of times. Sometimes it is. (laughs) So we have a new, we have people here with us, so. Hi, I'm Joey. And I'm Anna. And we are Blood is Sticker, a true crime podcast. Indeed. We are a uh, brother-sister duo from Mississippi who started our own uh, true crime podcast, and we've been rolling with it ever since. Mm -hmm. We are very, very glad to have you on our show. (laughs) We're very honored to be on your show. We're very honored to have you, for sure. Yes. Yes. Um, We normally do cases that are older or cases that a lot of people haven't heard of. We don't usually do a lot of these um, really famous cases because many pod- I think three or four podcasts have already done this particular case. So um, with us doing a episode with you guys, you guys requested uh, the Darley Routier case, mm-hmm. and so that's what we're doing today. So bum, bum, bum. <laughs> we did a live session a couple weeks ago where we went to the house and mm-hmm. drove by, and it's a massive house. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I couldn't get past was the windows in the front. Like, I'm just not used to seeing the windows going so far down. Yeah. Like, usually, you know, you have maybe a foot or so. But this is like, the window goes almost all the way down to the ground. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty rich house. And even on the street, like, it's the last house. Um, it's on the corner. But it's weird because it's not even facing the same direction as the other houses that are next to it. It's almost like it's uh, pivoted a little bit. So, like, it faces. A, it's yeah, weird. Like yeah. Like yeah. A- Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the property doesn't look like it's not as cookie cutter as the rest of the block. Like that yeah. house just stands out. It's just a it different. Definitely does. The, where it's placed, like it's further back than the other houses, and it's just it's weird how it's placed. Yep, like it was the first one or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, being well, being that uh, being who lived in the house at the time of when everything went down, it kind of makes sense that it stands out. Yeah. Yep, that's true. Very true. That's a really good point. That's probably why she chose it, huh? We're going to June 6th of 1996. Why is it always the summer? Tysons yes. go crazy in the summer, right? And 666. Ugh. A lot of sixes in that, in, that, in that date. That's scary. So we have a phone call go out to 911 at 2.30 a.m. by a woman by the name of Darlie Routier. And she's claiming to the 911 operator that um, somebody please come in, come help. Somebody's come in here. They stabbed me and my children. They came in while I was sleeping. And we do, we, I listened to that one call a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Y'all listen to the call? It's pretty long. It's like six minutes long, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. long. Yeah. Give, or, give or take, uh, maybe a little less than six minutes, but it's, uh, it, it, it depends on which, which uh, version you listen to. But if you listen to the, like the, the full length one, it's about six minutes long. Yeah, I've, I've listened to it because there are pieces of that people tried to pick apart. Um, They took some of it out of context, but if you listen to the whole thing, it it seems pretty typical. You know, she's frantic. You know, she's saying something happened. Please, please help. Mm -hmm. Please come help. Somebody killed my children. Um, I don't remember exactly everything that she says, but... The one phrase that she says that just as as a mom or, or even just as a person, 
is when she says, um, please come help. My babies, they're dying. They're coming home. They're and I'm like, oh my God, like how helpless do you feel that like there's nothing, there's nothing mm-hmm. you can do. Like you're looking at these children and there's nothing you can do but have, you just, you're just waiting for somebody to hopefully come help you. Yeah. Right. So she has two sons, um, Devin Routier, who's six, and Damon Routier, who's five. They are both have suffered um, stab wounds to the chest. Devin Routier um, was stabbed twice in the chest. And unfortunately, when the paramedics get there, he is dead on arrival. But Damon is still alive. He was stabbed six times, and the knife went all the way through. Mm. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, kids are small, but still. I mean, that's a good-sized knife to go all the way through through his body into the... Well, and you got to think, it's not just flesh. You're going through the sternum and even the back of the ribs, everything. So there's bone and stuff. It's not just like it's going straight through flesh. So that's got to be even harder. And Darlie is also stabbed. She has um, two slice, slice wounds on her right forearm, uh, one to her left shoulder that goes across her, th- her throat all the way over to her chest. So she's also injured, but her husband, Darren, is fine. He was upstairs when the attack happened. So um, I know she explained some of that to the 911 operator that, you know, her husband was there and he was okay, but that... I don't even know. Does she even tell them? I don't think. Does she tell? She does. Doesn't she say that they attacked me and my children? Yeah, they stabbed they, me and my children. I, so she does know at that time she stabbed. I don't. I don't think she knows at the time that she she was she was attacked. Uh, like right off. I think it's like during the call she realizes. Oh wait, I'm stabbed too. It's, it, that's what it, that's what it sounded like through mm-hmm. the uh, that one. I I just sent you um, a diagram page it was a, it's a diagram of the house and it shows where darley was where uh devin was and where they found damon it's got nice. it's just like an overhead view of the of the house and okay. it just shows where they were found that's crazy i'm glad you sent this because i was imagining that the room they were in was the room the the windows that faced out the, the yeah. front part of the house so i didn't realize the family room was in the back of the house yeah, i thought it, it was, was toward, it was toward the back and you could see like where the utility room is, yep. in the room where the uh, where the room where the spring was cut and everything, and mm-hmm. you can kind of see where they can enter and go through the kitchen. They've got to get to the kitchen before they get to. But if you look here, and it was it was something that I had, uh, that I, I mentioned when we recorded the last time, uh, you can see where it kind of looks like Damon had crawled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I remember hearing on one of the um, shows that they did on this story. They've done many. And I think yes. they were saying that there were, um, the detective said that they could tell based on the patterns of the blood on the floor that there were drag marks, like he was dragging himself. Oh yeah. That, hit, that hurts me to the pit of yeah. my stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I imagined it being in what it, what what is the dining room. I thought it was that. And yes. they walked straight from that door through the utility room, past the nook, into the dining room. That's what That's I what thought I thought, too. Was, I thought no, that was the room. So, yeah, so the, the paramedics get there, and Devin is unfortunately passed away. They're trying to take care of Damon. Um, they take Darley, and they take him to Baylor, Dallas, which is a really big hospital in downtown Dallas. There's, like, three, and Baylor's one of the big ones. And good news is that they are able to help Darley. That's kind of the high level of the crime. Whenever I was reading about it, they said the wound on her throat was, like, very close to a major artery. Yeah, it was, yes. like, two millimeters away from the carotid yeah. artery. Mm-hmm. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Very deep. That's yeah. probably the only reason that she lived. Darlie was born in Pennsylvania. She, her and her um, mom moved to Lubbock at 15 with her mom and stepdad. Sorry, with her mom and stepdad. They moved <laughs> when she was 15. And um, her mom worked at the Western Sizzler. Oh, I remember those steak Do y'all have Western Sizzlers? We, not very many. Like, there was, there's one in Brookhaven. I don't know. Uh, uh, excuse me. There's one nearby. Yeah, like there's one in the town where I live, but it's closed down, mm-hmm. but the building's just still there, and mm-hmm. it still has a sign and everything. Yeah, so for people that never been, it's kind of like a Denny's, or like an IHOP? Uh, but no, not, but it's not a steakhouse. Oh, is it? It's a steakhouse. It's, it's, oh. it's, like, um, it's more like a... Um, it's like a diner feel, no? The one that was in Brookhaven, I think it was kind of like if uh, a Longhorn Steakhouse met a... Golden Corral type feel. I was gonna say it definitely has a. I was gonna say Golden Corral too, but not a buffet. So it's very much like that where you go up and you have your tray and you order your food and you get a tray and your tea and your salad and you go sit down and then they bring you your steak. So it's kind of like a Golden Corral. Okay. Like maybe that's where Golden Corral got some of their ideas or whatever, but it wasn't a buffet. Yeah, but they're all closed as far as I know. I think they're all closed. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know if the one. Like close to where we used to, where we grew up. I don't know if it's still open or not. I, I, I have it, it may be. I don't. I don't know. I just. I, I don't think I've seen very many cars out there lately. Yeah. Because like there's a liquor store attached to it, and that may be where the uh, main traffic's going into. <laughs> <laughs> Darlene's mom worked at the Western Sizzler as a waitress, and Darren was a cook there, and that's how Darren and Darlie met. So Darren was 17, and when he first saw Darlie come into the restaurant uh, she was 15 and she had frosted hair yes bleach frosted hair and he was just so amazed by her beauty um so they got together and the couple moved to dallas and he started a small company um that tested electronic components and he started making really good money in the early 90s and they moved to rowlett and bought a home that they mm-hmm. um, live in but at that time, the home was worth $130,000, which wow. I'm sure now it's probably three or four times that. Yeah. It's a pretty big house. But if, but as if the $130,000 home wasn't enough, they had to add a marble bathroom, all white carpet. They spent $12,000 in drapes just for the downstairs. Drapes. Like, wow. I go to Walmart or Ross, and I'm like, mm, are these $20 curtains really what I want? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, they're just going to hang there. I'm going to have to wash them a couple times a year. They spent $12,000 on them. Um, they had... Well, I'm sure they're the, the ones that are like uh, tapestry kind oh, of thing. Yeah. It's draped and they probably always stay open, right? Yeah, because yeah, rich people always leave everything open. No, I, like, I don't like, let that. me rub in your face how rich I am. Uh, yeah, no, right. kind of, and, and it probably had it open to where they had like a king-size bed with the drapes on the bed, like yeah, a big yeah. toast. And those drapes were... It's a lot of money. I guess I don't know. I don't got it, so <laughs> um, they spent six hundred dollars on a fountain for the front yard, which is no longer there. Yeah, it's gone now. We didn't, we didn't yeah. see that. Um, and nine thousand dollar redwood spa for the backyard hot tub. We did see that. No, we didn't see that because no, we, we couldn't see that. into the backyard. We just saw the driveway. Yeah. And Darren purchased a thirty foot cruiser boat to take on to Lake Ray Hubbard, and he bought a 1982 Jaguar. Jaguar. Well, (laughs) 
I'm just not. I guess I'm not bougie enough to say it correctly. I just it's that's a jaguar. What, that's how they say that in the commercial. Jaguar. Is it the time you got the jaggy? <laughs> it's a jaguar. That's what it is. Jag J A G W I R E jaguar. Jaguar. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so they also spent $800 on a tombstone for Darley's cat that died and put um, her cat in a pet cemetery. So they're living very lavishly. Like yeah. money's not a problem. Personally, I would do that too. I love my cats. So. Yeah, me I too. mean, I get, I, I, I could see that. Not so much the drapes or the fountain outside or the jaguar, but I would be fine. <laughs> hey, why did you look at me like that? Because <laughs> now I'm, I just want to say jaguar all the time. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I just want to see the, the, uh, the tombstone for the cat. Like, here lies Nittens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and where's a pet cemetery around here somewhere? I guess I ain't going anywhere. Maybe, here. maybe that's our next live. We try no, to go find the you pet go cemetery. I'm not going to pet cemetery. I'm not going? Have you seen pet cemetery? Yeah, but it's a movie. It's not real. I won't go to pet cemetery too, so. <laughs> yeah, pet that one doesn't one, end well. Okay, pet cemetery two, nah. Yeah, that one, that one's scary. No here. Stephen King movies end well. King. Yeah, I didn't like the little boy scared me. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's creepy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Was that his name, Gage? Yeah, Gage. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we, we're professional, we promise. <laughs> well, we're not, so I hope that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're professional, we are. <laughs> um, so in 1995, Darren's company brought in um, half a million dollars in gross revenue, which he earned a salary of $125,000. Which, for that time... 1995. That's when Savannah was born. Yeah. So let, let me just get on the old Googler and see what, what that would be right now. So 213000 Mm-hmm. Nowadays. Almost double. Wow. Yeah. So they were... That's a lot. It's a lot of cheddar. Yep. So the neighbors like to call them the Clampets from Beverly Hills, <laughs> Beverly Hillbillies, because they obviously had the money, but they really didn't belong to that right. area. Um, so they were the clampets yes, of Rowlett. Because Darren wore shirts with sleeves cut off or rolled up to show his muscles. And then he had a, a party in the back and the professional in the front. This is in the front. This, this is, is in the front. front. Yes. Party in the back. Yeah, yeah. But mullets were popular back then. They were, yeah. They so were. I mean, our brother had one for years. So. Yeah, so I don't I don't really think that's clampity. Well, but it is if you're <laughs> if you're like super bougie and you live yes. in this area, you know, in the yeah. 90s. They yeah, had, like, I, don't, I don't think he saw the Monopoly man with the party in the back going on there. <laughs> true, true. He sported diamond watches and gold nugget diamond rings. And, I mean, our dad wore diamond nugget rings. <laughs> so And um, cut off sleeves. So, But we didn't live in bougie areas. No, either. we did not. Uh, Darlie got herself a 36 triple D breast augmentation. Oh. Ouch. Wow. And she's little. I feel like that would cause major back problems. Don't you? Like, how do you... I just feel like my back would hurt constantly. I don't think it would be worth it. Like, yes, I'm going to I'm gonna pay the surgeon to put something in me to look good, but then I'm going to suffer the rest of my and life. And then I feel like buying clothes would be a nightmare, right? Because you have to make it big enough to fit here, and then it's got to be small everywhere else. So. Yeah, because she's really petite. I'm going to have to get some stuff custom made, I would imagine. Probably, but I guess they had the money for that. So maybe she'd well, yeah. do that. Or she just got stuff that was too tight because that's she's the clampet, so it didn't have to fit potentially. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, it's like point. hard enough for women to find clothes that perfectly fit. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> to willingly make that hard on yourself just doesn't make sense to me. No. Yeah. 
Um, she did wear tight-fitting tops, and she made regular trips to the tanning salon. She wore diamond rings on every finger, and she bought herself a Pomeranian that was white to match her house. You know, because everything was white in her house. Hmm. Um, one of the neighbors called them Ozzy and Harriet of the 90s. And um, Darlie was known as the cookie-baking housewife of the block. Uh, neighborhood kids would go and hang out at their house. They called it the Nintendo house because Darren changed one of the rooms to an elaborate Nintendo room with, I mean, the 90s and Nintendo That's was big. Cool. Yeah. Um, so the kids would come by the house and she would always help out her neighbors by cooking food or giving money. Uh, one of her neighbors fell ill with cancer and she, they paid off the mortgage so that they could keep their house. That's so, sweet. I mean, obviously she has a good heart. Somewhere. Or she's trying to fit in. Maybe a little both, right? Yeah, however she can. Yeah. Especially if you already feel like an outcast. Yeah. You know? But you the only thing that you have is money. And you can give people things with this money that will make them happy and accept you. So yeah. I get, I get it. So in nineteen ninety six, um the business starts to suffer. Uh the bills and mortgage start to fall behind. They owe ten thousand dollars in back taxes to the IRS mm. and twelve thousand in credit card debt. So I'm sure, you know, when they first moved there, um, him, them building these little, because I remember the, um, Darlie's mom saying she'd go over there sometimes and Darlie and Darren would be sitting at the table building these motherboards for computers. And so I'm sure initially, you know, the business was, it took off, but then it became like a dime a dozen, you know, like now right. you can find a donut store and a dry cleaner and all those places in every strip mall you pass. So I'm sure that, you know, because I know Texas Instruments was here. Radio Shack, Fries. Um, you don't see very many of those around anymore. It's cool if you've got something that can survive the times, but if you can find something that can adapt yep. with the changing of the times, that's why we don't see very many Radio Shacks. That's why we don't see, that's why nobody makes a, makes a living selling VCRs anymore. Yep. I, I, don't, I don't know if, you know, just looking at the case from that, I don't know if Darren was prepared for the market to change like mm-hmm. it did. Doesn't he sound was, like it. He was living in that moment instead of looking ahead. Yep. And I think that's, that's initially what caused his financial problems. Yeah. Especially moving to such a big city. I mean, I know it was right. smart initially to move here and start it, but if he had stayed maybe in a smaller town, he might have been able to last longer. But Rowlett wasn't very big at the time. But I'm saying it's close to Dallas. Oh, or not. Um, so, but if he had stayed maybe in Lubbock, maybe they would have survived longer because people don't want to drive all the way to Dallas to get motherboards. So if you're in Lubbock and you have this shop, you know, or you sell these pieces, maybe it would have survived longer. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard right. to tell. So as the financial stress, um, starts to build, then their marriage starts to suffer, which, you know, when, I mean, anytime marriage is hard already, but then if you yeah. add any kind of financial stress, it just makes it that much, that much harder so Darren started a second business called Champagne Wishes, where he took people around Lake Ray Hubbard on you know the 30-foot boat that he bought at sunset, and he would let them sit on the boat, and they would sip champagne, and sometimes he would let them use the bedroom on the ship. Okay. Um, you know, for like anniversaries or proposals or first dates or whatever. Or whatever. At least he was trying to be creative. I'm so nosy. I would be like the worst person. <laughs> And they're like, oh, I have a proposal. I'd be like, okay, I can't, I can't go because I won't be able to hide it. My face is going to say everything. So I can't, I can't do it. Even though their money situation was not doing well, their marriage isn't doing well, Darlie doesn't change any of her habits. So she's still shopping all the time. 
She's mm-hmm. still tanning. She's still manicuring her nails. And she even books a trip um, to Cancun with some of her friends. So it's like nothing has changed for her does, financially. Does she know that they're struggling financially? Do you think he's keeping it from her? Or do you think, like, does she know that she just doesn't care? Or is he keeping it from her? I don't think that, I don't, I don't think that it was that she didn't know or that she didn't care. I think it was just she was so used to living that lifestyle, she didn't know how to give it up. That makes sense. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be kind of like some, somebody get addicted to something. I mean, it's, it's difficult to just shut it off cold turkey like that. I imagine she was just so used to living this lifestyle that when it was being, when it was to the point where she couldn't do it anymore, she didn't know how to adapt. Again, with the adapt situation that we brought up earlier with uh, Darren's business. Yeah. Well, and I mean, this is the only thing that allows her to feel accepted in this town, right? right. So if she gives that up, now she's no longer accepted either. So exactly. I don't think she didn't stop for vanity's reasons so much as more if I show weakness that we don't have it then we're not accepted anymore right. we'll be shunned even further mm-hmm. yeah. she's trying to fit a round peg into an oval hole yes. bingo good job <laughs> so in on May 3rd of 1996 Darlie's having a, a hard time because you know she's had um, Devin and Damon because they were born in 89, 89. and 91 yeah, yeah Devin was born in 89 and I'll come back to that in a second. And then Drake, her youngest uh, baby, was born in 95, right? The end of 95? Yep. Because yes. so, he was still a little baby when this yeah, happened. Yeah. yeah. About six months old. At yeah. The time. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even a year old. Yeah. So at, so May of 1996, this, this is the baby's about six months old. And she's got a five-year-old, a six-year-old, and a six-month-old, which is, is a lot. And my kids are 15 months apart. And it, it was hard to have them that close together and, you know, it's demanding and all of that. So she mm-hmm. keeps a diary and she writes in her diary, I hope one day you will forgive me for what I'm about to do. My life have, has been such a hard fight for a long time and I just can't find the strength to keep fighting anymore. So she called Darren and told him what she had written and like how she was feeling. So he came home and she had sleeping pills she was going to take. She was going to take all these sleeping pills and she was just going to go to sleep and not wake up. So clearly the stress of everything has mounted on her and she's just like ready to crumble. They talk about it and, you know, she says, I'm never going to do that again. You know, I'm so sorry. I'm so ashamed that I even thought about that. I'll never think about it again. Um, She blamed the feeling on her hormones and, you know, having these kids. And she was like, you know, my cycles are irregular. What if I'm pregnant again? Like, I can't do this again. I want to have another kid right now. So clearly she's overwhelmed you know because she 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 is a housewife right she doesn't have a job so her life is being a mom which Mm -hmm. is a hard job as it is and then being a housewife I mean that's a that's a big those are two very big jobs and then you're trying to keep a front to be accepted in this community and your husband has a business so I'm sure there's probably stuff that he had her do yeah so that's a lot of responsibility for one person because he's working all the time I I only heard from uh Darlie's mom in one of the documentaries that he wasn't the best. He was a great father to his children, but he wasn't a good helper when it came to his wife. So when he had the kids, you know, he was very good with them and he he did stuff with them. But as far as, you know, what can I do to help you with the kids? He wasn't very helpful. He was a, he was a, he was a helpful father, but not a helpful husband. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So the month of May goes by and at the end of May, uh, Darlie and Darren take the boys to Scarborough Fair. Have y'all ever been to a Scarborough Fair? Yeah, isn't that the, uh, like, like a renaissance fair? Yeah, it is. They're really cool. I've been a couple of times. I want to go, so. Yeah. 
Yeah. I've never been personally, but I've, I've got people like, like I work with who go every year. Yeah, they're really cool. Day. Yeah, so for those that have never been, it's like a, a medieval kind of mm-hmm. time period. And you can dress up, and they have food and acts. And, and you can buy swords, and you can buy bustiers, and you can buy... Turkey legs. Turkey legs. And what are those? Oh, beer steins. Yes. The, yeah. the horn ones that the Vikings use. Just super cool. Right. Uh, I think Nanny's got, our grandmother, I think Nanny's got one of those. I think so. Uh, yeah. Hanging up in like her bedroom. She's got one that's got like a rope. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I don't know where she got it from. She got it from the Scarborough Fair. <laughs> yeah, they wear them around their necks and then they just take mm-hmm. a drink and they also I mean, they don't have to carry it. Genius. Yeah. Why don't we do that now? Yeah. I don't know. So taking us to the day, the, the evening before everything went crazy, June 5th of 1996, Darlie and Darren both say that, you know, they had a good day and at the end of the day, the boys played in the hot tub outside, you know, it's summertime, um, school has ended. Uh, the boys decided to watch TV and um, lay on the floor while they watched TV with their mom, with, with Darlie on the couch. I know there's been conflicting stories on why they slept downstairs. Yeah, um, definitely. A few different things. Uh, let's see. One was that um, Darlie wanted to sleep downstairs because Drake kept her awake a lot and she wanted rest. So she slept downstairs. Right. She was a light sleeper, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then the other story I heard was that the boys wanted to watch TV down there and they decided since they were going to be up late watching TV, they were all just going to have like a sleep, like a just sleep downstairs, all sleep down there together. So I heard right. it was the boys' idea. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I heard that, uh, like, due to marital problems that were sleeping apart. Oh, oh see, yeah. I hadn't heard that. I hadn't either. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean that makes a lot of wrong. sense. That does Finance make a lot of sense. Just... I mean, it matches up with everything else that's going on in their life, right? It's chaotic, and they just need a break, right? Right. In there. And so Darren sleeps upstairs with their son, Drake. The initial story of what had taken place by Darlie is what? First, she says that she was asleep on the couch and she woke up and found there was a guy standing over her with a knife in his hand and she was struggling with him. And then a couple of days later, when she's being questioned, she says that she woke up because one of her sons was pushing on her shoulder and telling her... Mommy, mommy. Yes, calling mommy, trying to wake her up. So those are two very different versions, and I understand it was a tragic evening, so maybe she's confused. I don't know. Yeah. It and would be different if the stories were had a lot of similarities, but there are two totally different stories. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and Darren says that they were all watching TV, the boys laid down, and then he went upstairs to bed, and he heard a glass break, and then he heard Darlie scream. He ran downstairs. And he asked her what's going on. She was already on the phone with 911. He saw Devin, so he attempted CPR. And when he did, because of the gashes in his chest, blood came out of his chest. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I don't know what I would I don't know what I'd do. I hope to God I never have to go through anything like that. But I've, I've only had to do CPR one time, but I've never had to do it on someone that I love or care about. And even, like, working in a clinic, doing things on people didn't bother me. But just recently, my, our mom had, like, she had some cancer spots removed, and just like doing her wound care on her arm killed me. 
because it's her. It's mm-hmm. different, right. you know? Yeah. But, like, I can walk up to a stranger and do whatever I need to do to them. But when it's someone you love, like, it's just, it completely changes everything. So I can't imagine uh, attempting CPR on your son and, like, you're trying to put oxygen in and blood comes out. You're just, you're, you're basically seeing that it's probably too late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At that Devastation. Point. I, I can only, like I said, I'm, I'm not a parent myself, but I can just only imagine the yeah. pain suffering that mm-hmm. that would entail. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And anger and rage and all of your emotions just in just a really uh, short amount of time. time just capsizing. He, so he'd have CPR and he, of course he's just trying to figure out what's going on. They, whenever they take Dolly to the hospital, he did state that, that she showed signs that something had happened Something violent had happened. She was very nervous to be by herself. She was afraid that whoever did this was going to come back and finish the job. She had a um, policeman stand guard at her door. I mean, she didn't sleep very well. She was very anxious. They had to keep giving her medication to sedate her, to keep her calm. Um, After her surgery, which um, the gash on her neck, there was a piece of necklace embedded into her wound, which I think is kind of probably what saved her. Not so much... The fact that I think what kept it from going into the carotid artery, carotid artery was that necklace because it was embedded in there. So when they did the surgery, they had to remove that piece of yeah. necklace out. So the slashing pushed it into her skin? Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was like embedded in her skin. Um, and have you seen the necklace that, that she was wearing at the, that night? It like is like it was teeny tiny. A teeny tiny thing. So a teeny tiny thing like that kept... That's crazy. Like the broad from being cut. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It's, just, it's crazy to think, you know, how things like that could, could happen. Yeah. How yeah. something like that small could save your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she obviously had was having a hard time. So then Darren, right, okay, so Darlie's gone through this awful situation, right? So Darren comes up to the hospital, and he approaches the policeman at the door. And um, you want to know what he talks about? Whoa. <laughs> he doesn't talk about his kids. No, no. He talks about how beautiful his wife is and how beautiful her breasts are. Yes, my uh, my kids were stabbed to death, but just look at the rack on my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but I bought, I bought those. Those are mine. What an idiot! I didn't give them to her right away. I played with them for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> priorities, his priorities are all screwed and up. And I can't imagine like what he just went through. But the last thing on my mind would be how handsome my husband is. It, I would be terrified about my children i just I think lost. i'd be out there trying to find who did it that's what i would be doing um, yeah, get the pitchforks and the torches absolutely yep. so the next day on june i think it was a couple of days yeah, they yeah. on that surgery uh to yep. like that emergency surgery to get, get the thing out of there so i think she was in, i think she was in the hospital for a day or two yeah so she gets released from the hospital and when she's released, there's really there all that they really see going on with her is just the the neck wound, the neck and um, chest wound, and then the stab on the arm. And she did have some slashes on her fingers. So there was some type of defensive wounds on her hands. Um, but they weren't very deep. So just uh, superficial wounds. But then shortly after she leaves the hospital, she develops these massive bruises all underneath her arms. Like just like all here, like on the underside of her Not arms. like grab bruises, like no. handprints, just solid. It's solid bruising. Like, like pooling of blood. Yes, like from her wrist all the way to like her armpit. So as a medical person, what would cause that? Oh, I was going to say, um, talking talk about the bruising, um, would you mind if my wife stepped in real quick? Absolutely yes. not. We don't I mind at all. So this is my wife, Lauren. Hi. 
Hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Go, go ahead. I was going to get her opinion yeah. on what, the, what could have caused that frozen. As you know, whenever, um, anytime there's like an IV, right, if the vein collapses or if the you double puncture, whatever the case is, with that vein, you can have pooling of blood underneath, right? Like where the where when the vein collapses. Okay, so if she was, if she, if they stuck her here and she had an IV here, right, and she's doing fine, and and anything going on causes her vein to collapse, or maybe she pulls it out, what have you, and that blood starts pooling. I mean, she would have a giant bruise, but looked like pooled blood because the blood would pull at the bottom of her arm. It is possible. It is possible. I don't see it a whole, whole lot to be super huge, but no. yeah, it is possible. That's, that was one of my theories of if she was, and if, we don't know, like, was she stuck multiple times? Did she have multiple, you know, because if she multiple had it here times. and then they had to go to this arm, if the same thing happened over here, then she would have pooling on this arm as well. Mm-hmm. Well, so, if, it, if it's not that, what else could have been the cause of that? That type of bruising. Well, I mean, they could have tried to put an IV in, like, just pop the vein and it blew blood mm-hmm. everywhere. But mm-hmm. if they got it in there right, it shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like where it's placed is like, you know, I mean, where you would, like, yeah, like if you have a vein, like, you know, because usually it's, you know, it's here, 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 usually, or it's in the hand, but like it's if it's here and, and this vein blows, then like the blood's going to pull right here, especially if she's laying in yeah. the bed like this, you know, it's going to go to the path of least yeah. resistance, right? So it pulls here. And depending on how many times she had, she was stuck. That bruising is pretty significant for just one IV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or they could have put a drug in the IV that just totally messed up her whole arm. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, that's a good, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, whatever medicine they put in there, because some medicines are really hard on the veins that it'll just make your whole arm red. Well, and especially with her going into emergency surgery to fix the neck, they I mean, who knows what they gave her. You know, and then like, was there any like blood thinners or anything in her system, or do we know? Or? I don't, that's a good I question. I and I don't know, I don't see why they would give her any. Since she was already lost blood, yeah. And post surgery, they don't they want your blood to coagulate. They don't want it to be thin. Yeah, we don't give blood thinners before surgery. <laughs> I mean, unless you don't want them to survive. Unless you want a certain outcome. She's like, no, we no, don't do that. No, we don't do that. Thank you, buddy. Yes, thank you thank so you. much. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> so it, it's it's possible. Not it's not out of the realm of possibilities that it could be from her IVs, but she develops these giant bruises um, on the underside of both of her arms. I could see it being an attack if it was more defined, but the yeah. fact that it's so it's just so solid. There's yeah. no there's no grab marks. Yeah. There's no like lines. Like I just don't. Yeah, it doesn't look like any as many kind of times bruising. as I've fallen in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. I've never had a bruises that look like that, no, me or even like. You know, when you play wrestle with someone and you have bruises later on, like, they just don't ever look like that. No. And I used to play roller derby, and there were some times where I had a lot of bruises on my arms from being grabbed and pushed, you know, from the other blockers and stuff. And there were times where I would go in the grocery stores and people would be like, oh, my God, because it would be bad. But you And you could tell that it was like, you know, it would be five marks from the thumb and the fingers or it would be more solid from the hand. Like, you could tell that it was from being grabbed really hard or pushed really hard. And it was in exactly where I'd been touched. It wasn't way down here in one solid bruise. It was just 
longer finger marks. So it's very obvious that I'd been grabbed and, and pulled and pushed. So um, nothing like what was on her. So I don't believe that that bruising has anything to do with her attack at all. It's something that happened at the hospital. That's my opinion. The only thing I could think of as far as the bruising on arms being from an attack was, you know, whenever whenever you fall and you're falling like face first, what's your first instinct? Turns out. But she would have had to had to have fell from the roof in order to get some bruising like that serious. And you would have to land flat. Like exactly. You, and if she's got all this going on, she's not gonna land flat. <laughs> 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 there you go. Exactly. And she's just gonna bounce back up. There's not gonna be like they're gonna hit before her arms hit, and she's just gonna bounce back up. And even if that's the case, and it like if it projected her forward, then it, they would just be on this part, right, from the elbow up. It wouldn't be all the way back here. So I, it's a stretch. Right, like on the chest, right, but. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, so we don't know what these mysterious bruises are. But um, when she goes back to the police, this is when she changes her story and says that. That her son woke her up? Mm-hmm. This one. Um, oh, she said that she could see the outline of a man going through the living area into the kitchen. And she heard the sound of glass breaking. She stood up, went into the kitchen she saw a knife on the ground outside of the utility room and picked it up. And she said it was just like instinct. She just picked it up. Um, and then police didn't find any blood in the utility room floor where she said she found the knife. All the blood was in the kitchen. Well, and where the boys were. But primarily it was in the kitchen and where the boys were laying. Right. So, that, so then the story changes, which is very, very weird. Um, so then the next day is the boys' funeral, and they buried them together in the same I casket. that's sweet. Um, holding hands. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah, that's, that, that'll, that'll break your heart. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean... And, and the pictures that they showed in the news, uh, you know, the, they had the little matching white suits with the, with the bow ties. Like, like, when they were doing the news stories, I remember seeing... Like, like, what, like, back. like what Gage was wearing? <laughs> you had to do that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're gonna, you're gonna cause him to have nightmares. His wife's gonna be like, "No more podcasts with those crazy women." <laughs> look, 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 no, I do have, uh, I do have nightmares. Sometimes, not podcasts related. Getting back to what I was saying, you know, we were talking about the funerals and 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 the kids. And you look at the kids, and then I went back and I looked at the date, date of birth. Devin was born in 1989. Damon was born in 1991. I was born in 1990. So these these two these two little children that you see on TV are about my age, if you stop and think about it. And it's 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 just it's just sad to think about. You know, uh, Devin would be thirty one. Mm-hmm. Wow. Damon would be twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Where would they be in life today? Yeah, that's that's really sad. You know, to think about it, like you said, it's and think about every like, think about your life from the time you were. There five is. until now. Five, six years old. You know, like now. what yeah. in for the last twenty-five years? Like, what what have you done with your life? Like, that's what they missed out on. You know. Yeah. yeah. It's sad. Yeah. It's really sad. It is. So about a week goes by, and it is. I didn't write it down again, but which birthday is it, Damon? It was uh, Devin's. Devin. Devin. 
Yeah, it was it was his seventh Yeah, seventh. It's Devin's birthday. Good job. And Thank how you. old is he going to be? Seven. <laughs> the news finds out that the family is going to do a memorial service at the graveside as well as um, a birthday party because they had already sent out invitations to all of his friends in the neighborhood. So they decided we'll still have the party. People already bought presents and all that. We'll just have it at the graveside and it'll be fine. Jimmy Patterson, who worked for the police department, he goes and puts microphones all around the gravesite, hoping for someone to confess or to get some kind of information. But ask me if he did it legally. Did he do it legally? No. No. He did not. So they sit back in this van and they watch. They are videoing and they have the microphones on, on the gravesite, listening to them crying and praying and you know doing this whole memorial service and just watching this grieving family that lost these two boys. And then they decide... Then the family has the birthday party, and Darlie's sister knew how much the boys loved Silly String, so she went to the store, and she bought a couple of cans of Silly String and brought it to the gravesite. And this video is, like, what changed the whole entire course of this case and yes. how people perceived her and the whole situation. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of, and there's a lot of podcasts that refer to this as the Silly String case. Yeah, I heard a I heard a lot of them say this is this is the uh, what everyone knows as the silly string case. So this this is really what the what is most known about the case is this footage from uh, News Channel Five. Because that's when people started paying attention if they weren't before. So Darlie's standing in front and she's um, you know she's got her scar from the attack and she's standing in front and there's balloons everywhere and their family's there and she's chewing bubble gum and she tells them, you know, we love you, Damon and Devin, you know, everything. And she sprays silly string all over the gravesite. And so they have a video of this. The DA at the time, uh, Greg Davis watched this and he's like, ah, this woman did it. And I'm going to prove it because no woman that just lost her kids to a brutal attack would behave this way after what, after what has happened, a grieving mother would be just so, so, in, yeah, that she wouldn't be able to, to do this. And here she is smiling and laughing and chewing gum and spraying. Uh, he was things. expecting her to be in kind of like a catatonic state pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I mean, and granted, I, I can't say whether or not I would be. I probably, I probably would be. Like, yeah. I wouldn't know what to do. I mean, everyone grieves differently, though. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And it's really not fair for us to say what's right or wrong. Right. Because right. what's what how I grieve is not how you grieve, right? So I don't think it's bad that they show that clip, but just like any news story, if you're gonna show that, you need to show the entire yeah, chain of events. You know, yeah. you can't cherry pick. It was definitely taken out of context. And so if they if they if you're gonna show 15 minutes of her shooting silly silly string, shilly string, not shilly string. <laughs> Sean Connery's coming out. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> If you're going to show 15 minutes of that, then you need to show the 15 minutes before where she could barely stand yeah. grieving her sons. Then you can then you can make an, an opinion because you have both sides of her. Yeah. But if you're only going to show this narcissistic, horrible mother that is glad her sons are gone now that she can go live her life, even though she's still a seven-month-old, yeah. then that's just not fair. Well, but at the time... Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And, but at the time, the public did not know that there was all this extra footage. I think everybody right. made the assumption, because mm-hmm. I know I did, mm-hmm. that if this is all this is all that happened, this is all we have, and it was 
submitted as, well, this is what she did on their birthday, right? So if that's all you have, what other, I know we grieve differently, but I definitely thought that is crazy to me. I know mothers are different and maybe I thought, well, maybe she took some pills or was on drugs to try to deal with it. And then it was just like not, you know, it just wasn't how she normally is. I, I tried to, to find a way to justify it in my brain, but I just couldn't. It just didn't make sense to me. Right. So if that's all you see and that's what you think happened, then of course you're going to go, well, she did it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's, we and didn't find out about the, the cops filming the whole thing until many, many, many years later. Like right. At and, least and, 10 years. And right? that's why I say the news. I know, I mean, if he illegally, I know he illegally got that. But they could have, they, if they didn't show the footage, they could have at least, before they portrayed this video, they, they could have said, yes, right. they could have said, you know, after the Routier family spent hours grieving the loss of their of their family members mm-hmm. and their these boys, they were able to enjoy, you know, a celebration of life afterwards, you know, yeah. um, and right. the boys loved Silly String. And then, then people would be like, oh, well, look how sweet that they're able to get together and enjoy a moment and mm-hmm. enjoy the good things in life that they, that they had them for the five and six years that they had them, you know, yeah. then you change yeah. the pers- the whole perspective on it. Right. Um, but when you only give that one little piece, then what is the world supposed to think? Yeah, exactly. Boy, aren't you glad the news does it right now? <laughs> I am so glad that they've come to their senses after all these years. I know, right? They definitely learned their lesson, didn't they? They sure did. I mean, I don't have to watch six different stations to get the whole story on. No, no, you watch one, you get it. Yeah. No, I'm not on Snopes all day fact-checking that shit. I am so glad I know. that, that uh, everybody here in this chat is fluent in sarcasm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We live it and breathe it. Yeah. That is my first language. <laughs> okay, so there's so much evidence. We want to go piece by piece. Okay. So one piece we haven't talked about yet is the cut screen in the, the garage. Right. Yep. So there's a screen mm-hmm. in the garage. Because um, per what Darley said, that he this intruder had gone through the living room, through the kitchen, through the utility room, into the garage. And right. in the garage is this regular size screen that has, it looks almost like a T, right? It's yeah, like it's, this way and this way. Yeah, well, yeah, they had to, because they had to get in through that, so they had to cut it, like, from the, uh, like, from the top and mm-hmm. then down. And then down. Just kind of folded. Yep. Over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes, the screen drops open. <laughs> drop it like it's hot open. <laughs> it, is, it is summertime, so it's dropping it like it's hot. <laughs> And so it, but you can't, it's a pretty good size opening, but isn't this a screen that also could just, you could just pop it from the outside? Like you wouldn't have to be inside the house to remove that screen. You could have just popped it from the outside. Yep. Right. So there's that. And and that really didn't make any sense to, uh, to cut it. But I guess if you, if it's from somebody who may not have known that you could do that. Possibly. It's a dumb ass criminal to not know that you can pop a screen. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not defending them or anything like that. question real quick was the screen and i somehow just got this stumbled in my brain are they saying that was the point of entrance or point of exit or both well um i think they were saying that that was the point of entrance okay okay because if i remember correctly uh darren had made the statement that he locked every door in the house except for the one 
coming from the garage to the utility okay. room. Okay. So it would make sense that that was the point of entrance. So if, if you can get through that screen through the garage, you can enter through the um, the door in the utility room. But that brings the question: How does the person breaking in know? There's that, and isn't there? I know the evidence is a little flimsy, but isn't there evidence showing that one of the knives from inside the house was used to cut the screen? I'm glad you brought that up. There was a bread knife that was used. I mean, well, they think was used because when they were dusting and were, and were looking through the kitchen, they found the same kind of particles that came from the screen mm -hmm. came, uh, they found on that bread knife in the kitchen. Yep. Hmm. When they were looking at it, they were looking at that knife to be what cut the screen. So that's, that doesn't add up to me at all. Well, that can kind of be explained too. Okay, I'm listening. Okay, so let's say the person who is like the, the crime scene investigator comes in, he's got his little tool that he uses to dust, and he dusts the screen first. Okay. Well, he goes in the kitchen, and then he dusts the knife. What if he's using the same tool to dust the knife that he's using to dust the screen, and some of the particles got on the knife from the dusting? So that can be explained kind of, too. That's true. Well, that in the, in the episode of uh, Forensic Files, I think, mm -hmm. they were saying that that piece of fiberglass that was found on the bread knife is also consistent with the type of packaging that you would find, like avocados or um, that plastic, um, you know, like uh, what uh, like onions come in, like that plastic okay. type. Okay. Um, so it's also it's it's not a one hundred percent match. That it, I mean, it it could it's be similar, but it also is consistent with other types. Now they didn't find any of that in the house, like empty bags like that but who i mean if she cut it six months ago and hasn't used that knife since then the particle would still be there yeah right so Possibly. i mean it's and i could see using a bread knife versus a really sharp knife to cut that because you don't need that much force no no you just need something with a serrated edge like exactly. a bread knife exactly. or you know I me mean, like people like me just go in the kitchen grab a knife and do whatever with it yeah i don't know what the difference is it cuts so i use it right <laughs> <laughs> yeah Interesting theories, right? Yep. And the bread knife has a rounded edge. So to just walk up to a screen and cut it would be pretty difficult. Yeah. You have to use a lot of force. Now, I can see this way makes sense because you could just lay the serrated edge against the screen and cut it. But like Anna said, when you go to drop it, it's not going to go down as easy like that. Unless maybe you use the part that you went this way, That's you like slid your say. knife in and then went down, I guess that would work. Yeah, you could do that. Wouldn't you have to hold the screen while you're cutting it down, or could you just... I would think... Yeah, I mean, it, would, it would depend on how tough the screen is. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I mean, how thick was the screen? Because, I, yeah. you could, you could, I mean, if you could do that, it might not cut straight like like it like it looked yeah. to be on, mm -hmm. in, picture, in the crime scene pictures and stuff like that. Yeah, it wasn't jagged. It was very clean. I mean, it... It was, it was pretty flimsy if the screen that they cut was able to fold over, right, yeah. after it was cut open. So, I don't know. It makes me want to go do some testing on some screens and do some cutting. And I have an extra screen. Maybe oh. maybe, we'll, maybe we'll go live. And, and I have a tests. bread knife. So, yeah. sounds like we have an experiment coming. We do. Okay. On this episode So, we have that. Then we have the fact that her, Darley, and Darren both say that they heard glass breaking, right? And at this point that the glass has been broken, 
the intruders leaving the house or leaving the area of where everything happened, which means Darley Wood at that point had already been cut. Mm -hmm. So when and the detectives go look at the crime scene, the bloody footprints, the glass is on top of the blood versus the glass being underneath the blood. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't that doesn't add up either. It's a little bit weird. And I go with your your evidence. And I know they said that these Rowlett had not seen a homicide like this ever. Ever, yes. So these were, some were rookie cops, and some were very inexperienced. They didn't really know what they were getting into. So a lot of stuff was moved around. But it's hard for me to imagine that every single footprint, glass was moved. Yeah. Like, I could see a couple out of place, Mm -hmm. but for all of them to be underneath doesn't make sense. No, not at all. And also, the, the the wine rack that the glass was on, uh, according to some of the documentaries that I watched on it, that particular rack had like a fail safe to where if you wanted to get a glass from it, you would have to like lift it up and pull it out. Yeah, it had like a ring around it to hold the glass in place. So you'd have to like yeah, so knock it down. You couldn't just bump it and have it fall. Exactly. So it's almost like that was purposely done. Yep. Uh, well, I know sometimes with wine glasses, the stems are like really flimsy. Either maybe that could have broke. That's true. Possibly, yeah. Well, and how do we know that the glass was in the wine rack? How do we know that it wasn't just well, sitting there? I mean, it, it could have been normally placed there, but when you have a million things going on, like I'll be drying something and I'll put it on the counter and not put it in the cabinet. So for all we yeah. know, I mean, it could have been just sitting on the wine rack versus in its place. That's and true. like whoever was walking past it could have bumped it and then it landed after they yeah. stepped there. Mm-hmm. Very true, very true. So, so we have that. And then we have massive amounts of just Darley's blood in the kitchen sink, around the kitchen sink, in front of the kitchen sink. And just some of it's been wiped. Some of it's been rinsed out of the sink. Mm-hmm. So what do we do with that? I don't know. If, if she was stabbed on the couch, then why is so much of her blood in the kitchen on the, by the sink, yeah. on the floor? I, I can see anytime you cut yourself, what do you do? run to the sink, right? That's what I do. I cut my finger, I run to the sink, and I rinse it, and I hold my finger there. So maybe when she realized she was cut, she went to the sink, and she grabs a towel, and she... I did I did hear that the the policeman that arrived said that the towel that was on her neck was wet. He didn't understand why you would do that, because yeah. you never want to add water to it, so mm-hmm. that was weird. Unless... I'm, I don't know. I don't yeah. know why it's wet, but I could see going to the sink and, like, applying pressure, right? Because you don't want to get it everywhere. Um, but it's just a lot, a lot. And to be wiped up, like, there's no reason for it to be wiped on the uh, cabinet doors underneath the sink. And they were, like, when they went back and looked at it and did luminol, I mean, it lit up like a Christmas tree. So. And also in the frame of mind that she was supposed to be in at the time, you know. Yeah. When would she think, oh, I've got to clean this up? Yeah. Wouldn't she just be concerned about her, her sons and, like, trying to aid them? That would be my assumption. That's what I would be doing. I can promise you that. Like, I don't ever want to be in that situation, but I really wouldn't care about anything else but my kids. Yeah, that prob- would be my primary focus, and I'd be, like, telling my husband to go find whoever the hell did this, right? And I would be focused on them, and it would probably take the paramedic or the cop to pull me off. Like, I wouldn't want to let go. I would not want to let go. And, like, let's take into account that one of her sons was still alive at this point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Damon was, Damon was still alive at this point. Now, Devin, whenever the uh, whenever the emergency officials arrived, Devin was already gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Devin, Devin was gone. 
Damon, if you look at the, uh, there was a diagram up I sent you, and you could see where, like, where Darley was laying and where Devin was laying. But and then they show over close to where the stairwell is where Damon was laying. Mm-hmm. So it looked as though he was trying to crawl up the stairs at one point, maybe, you know, to go to, go to his dad. And so we have all this blood, which is very odd um, around around there. And the blood, when the blood splatter specialist was looking at it, he was saying that because in the 911 call, they said she was moving with it between rooms, like just yeah. moving around, moving around, constantly moving. But the blood was in perfect round droplets, like she was standing, not like she was moving, because if she had been moving... Then they would they would have like they're, tails. They're cast off, but yeah, they'd have tails. Yeah. But because they were just perfectly round, she obviously was standing there bleeding. Yeah. But now right. one call is like she wasn't still ever. She was constantly moving around. So when was she standing at the sink bleeding? That's a good question. Um, and you brought up the nine one one call uh, earlier. I was going to bring this up. Um, you know, the first words out of her mouth whenever nine one one says, you know, nine one one wants your emergency. Her first words were. Quote, somebody came in, they broke in. And throughout the call, she is frantically saying stuff like, we've got to find out who it was. Um, it was like three minutes into the call where she finally asks when emergency services were going to get there. Yeah. So, so again, we're going through that frame of mind where, you know, she's not really thinking clearly. I, I mean, I, I don't think she was thinking clearly at the time. Mm-hmm. So how is she? how does she have enough wherewithal to be making this call realize she's bleeding, go to the sink, clean up everything, come back, and then think, oh, wait, emergency services, when are they coming here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't add up. It really doesn't. Not at all. Sounds like this circular peg is not going in the oval hole. It's definitely not. Not at all. <laughs> we need a hammer. We try really hard. Maybe maybe a bread knife will get it through. Or a hammer. <laughs> so we have... where you start to cut. <laughs> Um, so we have all the blood around the sink. However, we don't have little to no blood around the couch where she was attacked. And I mean, I understand, like, so the necklace, right? Like, the necklace in some of the pictures, like, you can tell that it like, it sits on her neck, right? But her stab wound is up here. So it, it does con- sound consistent that if she's laying down, that, you know, it would lay up higher. Yeah. Which would make sense, and then, like, the pressure of the knife going across would push it in there. That makes total sense. Right. Or if she's, like, leaning forward. And she can't higher. see, so she's, like, she's like, like she, what? what are you implying? Like was she laying on her back or something, or was she, like, laying, like, like on her side? On her side maybe? Maybe. Yeah, because on her side, it would also lay in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it could also, uh, the knife, the knife could have caught it. And drug it across. Oh, I that's think true. About that. That's a very good point, too. Could have caught on that part that sticks out at the bottom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think about that. That's actually a good point. That's a good one. Um, then we have the sock. Bum, bum, bum. That sock. So there's this very weird piece of evidence. 75 yards from the house in the alley, they find Darren's sock with mm-hmm. only Devin and Damon's blood on it. No, way. I thought it had a mixture of her blood, too. No, nope. the boys. Okay, just the boys. They, I think they found some, some like some DNA from Darley on the sock, but okay. it wasn't blood DNA. Yeah. Okay. Which, if she's putting the socks up from yeah. doing laundry, yeah. then obviously she could have rolled those socks together and then her DNA get on it yeah. prior to the murder. But I got, I got something on the sock too. Okay. And this, this kind of, this kind of asks the question: How did the sock get to 
where it was found. Okay. Okay, so the sock, the sock was found about 75 yards away from the rear of the Routier home. Uh, blood stains on it, like we said, were from Devin and Damon, but there was none from Darley. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also no blood around the area where the sock was found. It was just on the sock itself. Okay. Tom Bevel, the guy who did the, um, he was an expert in blood stain pattern analysis. Mm-hmm stated that because blood stains on the right shoulder area contained a mixture of uh, Darley's uh, blouse that she was wearing that night, it contained a mixture of all three of their blood, like, like the blood stain patterns. So he was saying that uh, Darley was already bleeding when the boys were stabbed. Why wasn't there any blood? If Darley had gone to put the sock out there, why was there none of Darley's blood or on the sock? Or why was there none of Darley's blood leading from the house, making a trail from the house to where the sock was found? Good question. Very good question. So that was a, that yeah. was, that was a little mm-hmm. sock that I found. No, yeah, that's a good observation. Well, and then I, I think we also talked about the 911 call six minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And the medical examiner said that it would have taken um, eight minutes for Devin to pass away, about, about how long it took him to pass away. And if he was yeah. still alive when they got there and he died in transit from the house to the hospital, let's just say he passed away before they left the neighborhood, right? So let's just say he passed away very shortly after. That only gives her two minutes from the time that she, that everything has happened to stab herself, possibly, plant evidence, and then call 911. I mean, two minutes- never mind the fact she's got a wound two millimeters away from her carotid artery. Yes. I mean, and if you see pictures of her, her Victoria's Secret nightgown, it is, like, drenched, like, drenched in blood. I mean, there's no, I didn't even know it was white until I saw the back of it. Because it's right. just it's just covered. And even over here, it almost looks pink because there's so much blood. And, you know, I mean, so, I mean, that's a lot of, she lost a lot of blood. Um, and especially being a neck wound, I mean, it's really hard to put pressure there. It's different if, I mean, her arm wound would, was way easier to contain than her neck. Oh, absolutely. What do you do in two minutes? I don't think I could run in two minutes, especially with a woman like that. No, no. And with would, no blood I would behind. Imagine that would cause, that, that might cause something to shake loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. And then you're running, would, and you're adrenaline, yeah. so you're bleeding more. Exactly. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think, it's hard for me to believe that Darley put the sock there. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I don't think she did it. I don't think she put the sock there, anyway. Yeah. So, we also have that this is a very low-crime neighborhood. It's a very rich area. They had, like I said, Rowlett police had seen no homicide. This area was very, I mean, no break-ins, no no cars broken into. So, I mean, it just, it's very weird that this random house it was attacked. Like, why? And it was very obvious that, like, the boys seemed to be the... Main target. Yeah. Not Darren, not um, not Drake, and maybe Darley because she was with them. We don't know. Yeah. Um, like, you can look at it and see Darley as maybe... Uh, and- you know, I'm just throwing a theory into the wind here, but you can see Darley, if, if that's true, you can see Darley as like collateral damage pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Because of the force that they stabbed the boys with. Like like I said, Dave, Devin had a wound that went almost through his body. Yep. Meanwhile, Darley, Darley had the stab wound here. She had the marks on her hands and she had the cut right here. Why change up your MO if your intention is to kill, mm-hmm. kill everybody in the room? There were 13 gold rings, a watch, and a bracelet just sitting on the kitchen bar, untouched. I mean, now, Darley did say later on that those rings were not all in that same place. She doesn't remember them being there. She remembers them being more scattered. 
So yeah. is it possible that it was a robbery in progress maybe and they were collecting everything and she interrupted? I mean, if that was the case, why didn't they grab, they ran, so why didn't they grab it and run? That's what they were there for. Yeah, exactly. You know, and no- nothing's missing. No, nothing. The Jaguar isn't missing. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to brutally murder two little boys, you better get something out of it. You better take something. Because your boss that told you to go there and steal stuff is going to want something in return. Not, not a murder sentence. They want money, right? So it just doesn't. And you even left a murder weapon at the, at the place. You didn't even bring your own murder weapon. Exactly. (laughs) But the only thing you took from there was a sock. And you dropped it. Yeah. Yeah. MacGyver did it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he broke in with, it, like, with like a toothbrush and a paper clip. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have these weird spots on the on the back of her gown. And we also have um, some weird spots on the carpet. So talk, you want to talk about the, the knife spot that's in the living room that they expected to find in the utility room? Well, they yeah. found it. I, I don't have it on here, but I know they found it on the carpet. Well, it was she moved it, but there was a. She said she found it in the utility room, but on the carpet there was an imprint of the blade of the knife, like where it had fallen. Yeah. Like you could see, like an outline of maybe the handle, and then where it comes down, and then the edge of the the knife where it's sharp. You could see where whether it was placed there or had fallen. You could see an imprint of the knife. But she said in the 911 call that she picked it up and moved it. And um, initially they were trying to take that out of context and say, well, why is she, you know, why is she saying, well, I touched the knife, I touched the knife. Did I potentially mess up any fingerprints? But the 911 operator is saying, you know, don't touch anything. And that's when she's like, oh, well, shit, I've already touched the knife. So it wasn't like she brought that up because she was worried about anything with evidence she brought it up because the operator told her don't touch anything and she's like oh shit i need to tell her that i've already touched something right so the knife wasn't where she said she found it wasn't there was no evidence that the knife was ever there right because there unless she cleaned it off right but even then it was still bloody when they found it so that's and even if she cleaned it off in the utility room luminol would show blood right right so there was no blood whatsoever in the utility room it was just in the kitchen just on the carpet a little bit on the couch and again where the boys were so and next to in the living room where next to where that imprint is there was a specific blood pattern that was consistent with somebody holding the knife cast off and like blood like coming down and the blood that was there was darley damon and devon's which is damning for her because if she's holding the knife and her arm is bleeding Right, mm-hmm. then it's gonna bleed down her arm, down the knife, and then and 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 it 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 shows that she's moving with it. So I mean, I guess it washed on the phone now and one. Maybe she's walking around with it. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't. Evidence doesn't lie. No evidence tells a story, and there's that is a story. You either you stood over your boys looking at them with the knife. Maybe you forgot you had it in your hand while you're bleeding and you're holding it down. I mean, it just doesn't. It's very bad, very bad. And, and it also doesn't it also doesn't uh, coincide with somebody running away from the scene with it. Exactly. Because the you know, and I think this was brought up earlier. The drops were like just round drops. If mm-hmm. somebody had been running, you'd have seen like a little tadpole tail coming yep. from the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, just like with the glass breaking, it's on top of her bloody footprints. Well, then we have the vacuum. 
that has blood underneath it. Well, there's tracks where the vacuum goes through the blood. So it's almost like someone gets the vacuum and rolls it in the blood and then lays it down on the ground to make it look like it was knocked over mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Like if it were just knocked over, then you wouldn't have tracks of blood with the, va- the vacuum cleaner wheels, right? So they rolled it through the blood and then dropped it. So And then it, her blood's on the handle. Yeah. Like, why would her blood be on the handle? Just the handle. You know, if she's running by, I could see a couple, I could see like splatter, you know, mm-hmm. or but maybe like a brush, you know, if it was on her shoulder and she brushed it or something, but shouldn't be on the handle. No, it's like staging a botched crime or a botched robbery. It's a botched staging of a botched That's robbery. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what it is. It's a lot of botchery going on here. So, negatives don't make a positive. No, no. I think that's all the. Is there any other? So the day, okay. the day that they have the birthday party that evening, the detectives call Darren and Darley in, and they end up arresting Darley and charging her with the murder of both of the boys. Right. And she goes to trial, and they move it to Kerrville. Yes. Because it's such a highly publicized case, um, and it's a murder trial, and they move right. very fast. Yeah, they like, did. Oh, I mean, we've done, what, like 30 or 40 cases so far, and I have yet to see a trial go this fast. Like, That's usually true. it's like a year, nine months to a year at the earliest before they even have a trial, and the trial's three months, you know? Well, you got to stop and think about it. Um, this was this was in 1996. Mm-hmm. Like, just not even two years before that, you had the case in South Carolina of uh, Susan Smith. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And, and for those who may not have heard of that case, have you heard of the Susan Smith case? I don't think so. Do you mind if I... Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Okay, so Susan Smith uh, was a mother from South Carolina who murdered her two sons on October 25th, 1994. Uh, She had first claimed that she had been carjacked by an African-American man, but would later confess to the murders, claiming that she she allowed her car to roll into a lake with the boys still inside. Susan was sentenced to life with the possibility of parole after 30 years. So this case was still fresh on people's minds when Darley was arrested less than two years later. And I think I believe at one point she was referred to as the Susan Smith of Texas. Yep. In the newspaper clippings, that's what I read. They're like, she's the new yep. Susan Smith of Dallas. So that so that was kind of, uh, so I guess, with that case being fresh on people's minds already, they were like, oh, we've got we've got to put this woman away mm-hmm. forever, and we've got to do it now. Yep. And I and, and I get I get it being like a, it's such a brutal crime, you know. And two oh, yeah. innocent boys lost their lives. So I get wanting mm-hmm. wanting to close the case, but we want to make sure we have the right person too. Yeah. Right. But once once again, you know, everybody's got their blinders on at this mm-hmm. point. They're, they're just seeing things in black and white. They haven't seen the shades of gray just yet. Mm-hmm. Yep. And never mind, this is this is also the state of Texas where if you kill somebody, they will kill you back. Yes, we do. An eye for an eye. We have an express lane. Yes, so we do. And the death penalty. So <laughs> we don't. We, we, we love our guns, so... We love our guns and our kids, right? Like, you don't mess with either one of them. Yeah, and isn't it a thing where, like, if, if more than... And I think I've heard somebody say this, but if more than five people saw you commit the crime, you don't wait for years and, you know, on death row, you go straight to the front of the line? You, line, you and do, that's not a VIP line you want to be in, for sure, right? You do not <laughs> You do not collect $200. No. You do not pass no, through. You go straight, straight to the top. They've got the, uh, they've got the chopping block ready for you at this yeah. point. Right, yeah. 
So before we move on into the case too much, I want to bring up something that I can't stop thinking about that I didn't even think about the first time we did this recording. So there's several things about what brought Darren's attention to the fact that something was going on downstairs. Mm -hmm. Um, They said he heard a glass break and she's screaming. And when he comes downstairs, all she can say to him is Devin, Devin, Devin. Why, Why isn't she talking about the other son? Why is it just Devin? Is it because he's still alive? I don't know. But if there's all this chaos going on downstairs and they're screaming and she's fighting for her life, why does a simple breaking of a glass, the thing that wakes him up? Especially when you look at the map and you see that the family room is fairly close to the stairs. Why did the glass breaking wake him up? Why wasn't it her screaming or trying to fight off an intruder or the, the, the vacuum cleaner falling or the boy screaming? You can't tell me they didn't scream. No, you, you, I mean, especially with, uh, especially with Donna saying that she was woken up by one of the boys shouting, Mommy, Mommy. Right. So how is it that he doesn't hear any of that shit? And I've, got a, and I've got another question too. Judging by the judging by the picture, the, the diagram that we saw where uh, Damon was right close to the stairs. If Darren is coming down the stairs, did he just not? Did he not see Damon uh, where he was at, or had Damon made it to that point yet? Whenever that's the, a good question. When when I so the 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 documentary that I watched was the 2020 last events, and yeah. he's you know I mean Darren's like when it's like. 50s now or something and so I'm just saying like he's older now (laughs) and so he's going through his story and so it's been years you know since this happened and he said it like two or three times that he heard the glass break and he sat up and then he heard Darlie call for him and as he ran down the stairs he met her at the bottom of the stairs and she told him Devin 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 or Damon 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 and no it's Devin Darren says she kept saying Devin's name over and over again. But Damon's the one who's closer to I know. To the that's stairs. the thing that I don't... That's why I'm bringing this oh, up. Okay. It doesn't make sense to yeah. me that he goes down and goes... Unless she already knew Damon was dead. And that could be why. Yeah. That she's telling yeah. him De- Devin because maybe she realizes that Damon's already passed away and Devin is the only one that they can help at this point. I don't okay. know. So she, he said he meets her at the bottom of the stairs and she's screaming Devin's name and he runs in there and she calls 911. Yeah. And that seems to be, like, his story. So, I mean, I can see, like, he's in bed and he hears a glass break. He's like, what's that? And then he hears her yelling. Because all the other stuff happened during the 911 call. Yeah. So, I mean, he wouldn't have heard any of that. But to be all the way upstairs, I mean, the last house, you lived in an upstairs house. Like, even my house. I have a one-story house. And something can be dropped in the kitchen and I may not hear it. Between being just in the back of my house. Just, just a simple glass break, you know? Yeah, it has to be like stone silent. And we're talking June in Texas, so you know they got fans going. Because yeah. it's hot. And you're upstairs, it's hot. And again, I guess that would also depend on how well insulated the house is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that that house is pretty well insulated. It's pretty expensive, right? Yeah. It's probably at this point a $300,000, $400,000 house. Mm-hmm. At this point. I live in an apartment complex. I live on the second floor of, a, of an apartment complex. If my upstairs neighbor thinks about passing gas at 3 o'clock in the morning, I hear about it. I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it all depends on the insulation in the house. Yeah, there's, right. There's, there's no insulation here at all. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. I, I just feel like... My upstairs neighbor different. has heard this entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> so they're worried that they live above serial killers <laughs> at this point? They're concerned. <laughs> we ha- they have the trial in Kerrville. Damon has passed away, and he's under, he's five. They charge her with this murder because it's capital murder. 
And they don't charge her for Devin's murder. And that makes sense because of double jeopardy. Like, Mm -hmm. if she would get off on on Damon's case, then they they could turn around and charge her with Devin's rather than charge her for both at the same time mm-hmm. and risk her getting off. Yep, makes sense. And I'd also like to add um, about her defense attorney, mm-hmm. uh, Doug Mulder. I believe I'm pronouncing his name right. Doug Mulder. Mulder? Doug Mulder. Mm-hmm. He was actually a, uh, a former prosecuting attorney. Oh, okay. And okay. He, prosec- he was the prosecuting attorney against Randall Dell Adams, who was convicted of killing a Dallas police officer in 1976. Now, that conviction was later overturned. And he was also um, the defense attorney of a man named Walker Riley, who was a pastor who was charged with attacking his wife and putting her in a vegetative state in 1987. Ooh, goodness. So Darley's attorney has a track record. Yep, Mm -hmm. clearly. Mm -hmm. He doesn't hang out with good people. No, (laughs) he definitely doesn't. He's like, there's a little shady stuff going on there. Yeah. Yeah. But but he's been in a They have enough money that I'm sure they made sure that she had the best that sh- that they could get at the time, right? So what's this new evidence you speak of? Well, so so she goes to trial and oh, yeah. she's, she's convicted, right? Yeah. They charge yes. her with capital murder and they put her ass on death row. Yeah, and they, it says they deliberated for seven hours. And what was there? What is it that made them decide she was guilty? The damn silly string video. Yeah. That that gets me. To me, there's so many inconsistencies with the evidence that that would be enough for me, right? Even without, even if there was no, if I had no concept of the silly string video, never saw it. The fact that the evidence doesn't line up with their story tells me that something's not right. Mm -hmm. So that's enough for me right there to say, yeah, I, I, you know, Mm -hmm. she did it. Adding that in, I mean, if that's the only thing you're using, that's not good. That's not being a good jury in my opinion, but yeah. that's that was, but that's the one thing that they always went back to was yep. how she acted during the silly stream video. But once again, like we stated earlier, you're not seeing the entire picture. Exactly. And that's all they have to go on, right? Cause they think that's all that happened that day. So and Jimmy Patterson on the stand pled the fifth in, in the trial, when they asked him different questions, he pled the fifth. And in the documentary that I watched where these two um, retired detectives, they go, they interview Darley they interview her family, they interview Darren, they interview some other people, and they kind of just get an overall picture of the case. And when they interviewed um, a couple of the jurors that were on were on the stand, they said that had they seen the part of the video that wasn't allowed in evidence because of it being taken illegally, then they yeah. would not have convicted her. Because what they felt was that that video, which... In my opinion, if you can't show the first part of the video because it's illegal, then just because the second part is legal, you shouldn't be able to show that part either. None of it should be legal. Right. I mean, that whole entire yeah. day should be wiped out. Agreed. Or at least, you know, the um, the defense attorney should have been like, okay, this is what the prosecution wants you to see. Mm-hmm. This is what she didn't see. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just because, just because it wouldn't have been legal to... To show the video, couldn't they have gotten like a subpoena for the uh, for the earlier video? I, like, I know that's a great they, question because they illegally got it, so it can't even be submitted as a piece. So of then, why was that one piece allowed and the rest of it wasn't? Because it was on the news. Yeah, that, it that was, was by that a newscaster. Was it wasn't oh. by the detectives. Right, but it had to be who leaked it to the newscasters. The police told them that she was there. 
Yeah. Bastards. It's like they wanted her to be guilty. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, and d- don't you smell a rat in the family or a friend? Mm-hmm. Because someone had to leak that to someone that they were going to be there. Yep. Absolutely. You know, so who's who's the rat? Because that's the person I'd be like, it's your fault that she's in jail. I hope you know that. You're, you're well, you are part of the reason that she's in jail. Because had you not went and told other people's business, snitcher. Well, I'm sure there were a lot of people following them around. Not just cops, right? Because, I mean, I'm sure there are people, newscasters and stuff, that were probably following them around for a couple of days just to see if they could get any footage. I'm not saying that's what happened mm-hmm. here. Because, I mean, there's it went on record her, that somebody told them. Yeah, because only her family and friends were at that grave yeah. site. Yeah. So somebody had to tell them. Yeah. I mean, and, and never mind the fact before she was before she was guilty in the court of law, she was guilty in the court of public opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, she, I'm pretty sure her neighbors were keeping a sharp eye on that house. I'm uh, sure. I bet. Yes. I would be. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're so looking busy. out the window. Gladys Kravitz all day. Yep. So she's, I mean, so she's she's on death row. She's convicted. And, I mean, Darren takes Drake and moves on with his life, you know, as best as he can. He sticks by that his wife is innocent. And she sticks by that she loves her husband. And they that somebody, that intruder came in her house. So she, of course, goes to, in a, she wants to appeal, appeal. So in one of her appeals, she gets, um like an innocence project attorney who really wants to help her. And he finds out that there is a missing fingerprint that is on the glass table behind the couch. I guess that's right here behind the couch, not the couch she was laying on, but the other couch. There's a print on that table that doesn't match Darley or Darren. Uh, They unfortunately exhumed the bodies of the boys. And because they were holding hands and because Texas Soil is is never solid. It the casket did leak, so unfortunately the body the the fingerprints were not in a state that they could have that they got a good fingerprint, and because the people didn't know what they were doing, whenever the homicide happened, they didn't get fingerprints prior to burying them, so they can't rule them out that it was theirs, right. or say that whether it was or wasn't. But they do feel it's a little bit too big. To be a child's yeah, print, yeah. Uh, the smears too much to be that. So whose fingerprint is it? Because it's in blood. It's in Damon and Darren and Darley's blood. It's a mixture of all three. Yeah. Whose blood? Whose yeah. whose fingerprint is that? Yeah. I mean, and this and this is where and this is where we kind of get into the theories of what of, of what we think happened. Mm-hmm. I would imagine between the, between the thumbprint or the fingerprint and, and just everything else, it just it just makes you wonder: Did she really? have anything uh to do with it and i, I gotta ask um what what are your, what would be your theory on, on what happened either, either one of you what, what would be your theory like what do you think happened you want to go first <laughs> this is the one case usually we agree because most of the time we are the same person the evidence <laughs> well, well there's that but most of the time the evidence tells a story and eventually you get to the real story. We haven't gotten there yet with this. I know maybe we will someday. I don't know, I but usually we agree, but if this is one story that we, t- and which is why when you guys chose it and we talked about it, we're like, this is a really good one because we have two different mm-hmm. thoughts on what we think happened. So I'll let you go first. I don't think that she did it. And maybe it's the mom in me. Maybe it's the human in me that I just can't imagine that, with such hatred and force that she would just annihilate her children. I just, I don't believe that she, I just can't. I mean, whenever my child hurts themselves, like I 
hurt. And like when I hurt them, when I have to hurt them, like when I give them a flu shot, I'm like, right. oh my God, I'm so sorry. So I just can't imagine, I can't imagine that, that, that she did it. And if she did, what would be her motive? Okay, well, it can't be money because their life insurance policies together for the boys was $10,000. And it cost $14,000 just to bury them. Yeah. Funerals are expensive. I can't imagine it's money. I understand that they're having financial trouble. I, I completely get that. But killing your kids does what for you financially? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, I mean it just doesn't. This is still back before the days of like GoFundMe's or something like that. Yeah. Or yeah. Funeral expenses or something. Um, when it comes to her wound, uh, they had two different psychiatric doctors that worked in um, psychiatric floors, many suicide attempts, some successful. With that being said, when it comes to someone cutting themselves, um, of course, not very common for someone to slit their own throat, but it did happen. And both of them consistently said that when someone was conflicting a wound onto themselves, whether it be the wrists or the neck or the stomach, if they're slicing themselves with the intent to kill or to severely injure, there's usually always bruising around the incision or the laceration because they have to place the item against the body to feel how deep they need to go prior to slicing. Okay, she had no bruising. So she obviously had to do it in front of the sink. Right, because that's where the blood was the most. It's not like she was standing in the bathroom in front of a mirror. She's going to have to be right on the first time. And unless she's leaning forward and the necklace is there, or like Anna said, if it gets tangled up in the the blade, I just don't see how she could have done that perfectly. And she's right-handed, and it came from the left side. Okay. Um, Then the slash on her right forearm is here. So then she would have had to, I mean... I just don't foresee that, right? So that that's what tells me that is inconsistent with me for her her to have been the one to kill them. So my theory is that Darren, one thing we hadn't brought up yet, is that Darren had tried to hire someone to steal his Jaguar and put it somewhere and claim insurance money on it so that he could pay it off. And then once every once the insurance claim was done and while it passed, he would get his Jaguar back. And the guy that he talked to, Bob Fife, I think was his name, mm-hmm. he was like, I'm not going to do that for you. Like, I'm not going to get involved in this whole insurance scam. Right. So he also went and approached people shortly before this incident happened where he asked someone, where can I find someone to break into my house, take all my valuables, go put them in a U-Haul somewhere, let me claim the insurance money, and then I can pay off all my bills and then go get my stuff back. This fingerprint makes me feel like Darren approached someone to do this. And maybe they reached out to some people and was like, hey, we got this really nice house in Roulette. It's an in and out job. It's really easy. You just go in, steal some stuff and leave. And I think that Darren probably told him, I'll let you know when I want, when I want to do it. And these guys were like, yeah, forget that. We're just going to go do it. Like, it's an easy job. We don't need their permission. And I think it was an inexperienced person that, Probably didn't know what they were doing. There was a black car that was spotted outside the house. Um, I think they may have cased it, possibly. And I think they just got... I think they thought it was going to be an easy job. And I think they were out of their element. And I think that they... uh, I don't think that Darren locked the door. I think maybe either he left it unlocked. Or they jimmied it. And I think they came in. And I think they were looking for stuff to take. And because they're inexperienced, they didn't expect anyone to be there. So they didn't bring their own weapon. And they're in the kitchen, and there's this jewelry there, and they're gathering it up. 
and here comes a little boy. And he's like, oh, shit. So he sees the butcher block. He grabs a knife. And I think he went in there, and I think that's why one of the why one of the boys is on the ground. Looks like he was crawling. I think he was running from him. I think he stabbed him. Then I think he stabbed the little boy. I think Darley woke up, and he attacked her, and then he left. And I think they knew him or knew of him, or maybe he told her, like, Darren, Darren hired me, or maybe Darren came down the stairs and said, oh, my God, this is this guy. So then they realized that this was their fault, even if they didn't do the stabbing it was their fault because they hired someone to do it and it was I mean ultimately it's their fault because they may have allowed someone in their home and Darren staged the screen he threw the sock out there while Darley's on the phone and that's why they weren't trying to save the boys because I think really I don't really think he was worried about his boys at that point I think he was just trying to save his own ass yeah, but here's and here's my thing. Like I said, I'm not a parent, but I would imagine, you know, if I know the identity of the person who uh, who killed my babies, uh, uh, screw you and the horse you rode in on, good sir. Um, if I can't get you legally, I will get you any way I can. So yeah. I agree. Again, that, but but she's even. But if she goes now and says this is who did it, it's still her fault. She's not the victim because right. she hired this person or she let this person into her life. For money. So she can't be the victim. She can't be completely innocent. So she either takes the full brunt and takes it and maybe dies, or she is 100% the victim. Like she can't be in the middle, right? Like she has to keep up this persona that she's this awful mom that lost her boys and she has no idea what happened. Uh, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. So that's what I think. Okay. So I think she did it. I do believe that there were other people involved. I do believe that someone broke in, uh, but I think that she had some mental stuff going on. I mean, she had in her journal that she was going to commit suicide. I think she had postpartum depression. She had a young son, and if her husband wasn't helping her, I mean, Susan Smith is another example. I mean, I know you wouldn't do that, but there are lots of moms out there, unfortunately, who are really bad, and they do terrible things to their children, even if they don't kill them. So while I don't want to think that that's what she did, I think she did it. I think she was having a mental breakdown and I, I don't know that that was her intention. I think it's one of the situations where you, you are in a weird mental state and then you, you come to and you're like, oh my God, what did I do? Did I do this? And then you're trying to process what the hell did I do? And then you're like, well, I need to make it look like this shit was broken into and then maybe maybe uh, Darren helped stab her. I mean, I know his blood wasn't anywhere, and he didn't have blood on him. But none of the evidence lines up with anything else. And okay, the the other I can't I don't know what how to put that other bloody fingerprint in. But I just from the beginning, and it's not just about the silly string video. It's just that the the evidence doesn't line up. She wasn't very mentally strong. She was doing everything by herself. Um, her boys were too little and I know she loves them, but just because you love them doesn't mean that you're not going to do terrible things because women do it all the time, unfortunately. And this was way back before postpartum was even really something that was talked about or acknowledged. So she didn't even know what to call it. Right. So that's just what I think. I think Darren was involved and I think they had an agreement. Maybe she said, I'll just take the rap. I don't really know how that whole thing worked out, but I just feel in my heart that she did it. And I hate that because I'm a mom too, but 
I just think there was so much shit going on in her life. She felt alone and that she was doing this on her own. And she had another little tiny baby up there that she's also responsible for. And she just lost it. Uh, I don't know that it was something that was premeditated for a long time. I think it's just one of those things that freaking happened. And she panicked and tried to try to make it look like she didn't do it. That's what I think. What about you guys? Your turn. <laughs> researching this case I had watched a little documentary video on it and they brought up that before I think it was might have been the night before uh the killings when they went to lay down before Darren went upstairs Darlie had asked for a divorce oh and they also mentioned that she had said to someone that he had pulled a gun on her before when she asked for a divorce before. Oh, shit. I hadn't heard that. Mm, I didn't know that. Like, I, I just completely forgot about it. And then, like, while we were talking, I remembered it. And I went over and grabbed my phone and I typed out a little message to Joey. and was <laughs> like, I know Darren had something to do with it. I agree. I think we all agree on that. Yeah. Um, I don't know so much on Darlie. I, maybe she tried to help him when she realized what had happened. I'm not sure. Like, I, I, I don't know. I can't put myself in the mental space, mm-hmm. you know, that she must have been in at the time, so. Yeah. I think I speak for all of us when I say thank God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so is that, is that what you think? Yeah, I, I think maybe Darren um, hired someone and he helped them, mm-hmm. maybe. Or maybe he just hired someone and they came in, and maybe that's what happened. But I wasn't there that night, so. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God, yeah. <laughs> this case is hands down the most frustrating case mm-hmm. I have ever just gone through and, and researched and looked. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you, usually when you when you go in and you look at a case to do, to cover for an episode, you kind of got an idea where it's going. Yep. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of get this. And I was in that mindset with the Darlie Routier case the first time I looked at it. And I saw it, and I was like, oh, she did it, no doubt. And then the more you pull from it, the more the more you start questioning yourself. Like, did she – it's really – so I've got multiple theories that I'd like to okay. bring to the, the forefront. All right. Uh, the first theory is Darren hiring some, some people. So um, I, I pulled this from uh, a court transcript I found from oh, cool. the testimony. So um, on June 11th, Five days after the events happened, a woman who lived near uh, the Routier home named uh, Angel Rickles contacted Rowlett police to inform them that an, un- that an unidentified man had attempted to enter her home around 1.30 a.m. on the morning of the murders. Oh, shit. Yes. So um, during the trial, the defense called her to testify. Uh, and according to her testimony, she was at home with her 15-year-old daughter. Her other two children were at their grandparents' house, and her husband worked night shift. Angel claimed that she was watching TV at 1.30 a.m. when she heard what sounded like someone trying to get in the front door. She had a history of health problems, including a heart attack, and she had suffered uh, a stroke or two. So she assumed it was her husband who would come home sometimes, maybe like on his lunch break or something like that, to check on her to see how, you know, how she's holding up and everything. So she got up and she turned on the porch light, and she looked at the peephole and saw two men, a stocky man wearing a knit cap and a jogging suit, and a tall, thin man 
Whenever the porch light came on, they ran from the house toward the direction of Eagle Drive, where the Routiers lived. She stated later that she looked uh, she looked through the window and saw the two men holding something that looked like a screwdriver or a knife. And this was like like maybe a couple hours later. She turned out the bedroom lights and she saw the men leave. When asked why she didn't call the police immediately, she said that, well, at the time, I was thinking it was, it's all over. What can the police do now? That's a fair so, statement. So that's one. I mean, and I get that because I've I've been there where you where you see something you see something weird, but then it like goes away, and you're like, oh well, yep. what are you can do about it now. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. I have nothing to give them. Like I don't yeah. have a license plate. I don't have a name. Like what am I going to tell them? Exactly. So I mean, like you, you just saw two men outside. <laughs> I mean, you you can you can do that in some places. <laughs> I would imagine. So. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So one of my theories, maybe these two men had something to do with it. Maybe they got the wrong house. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And maybe, uh, maybe it was a mess up that they realized, like, oh crap, this isn't the place. Because oh. they're inexperienced. That's what I think. And maybe, just maybe, like I don't know for sure, but maybe they were the ones that put the sock there by the garbage can. I mean, this this, this was this was this house was like a couple of blocks down, and the sock was found seventy five yards away from mm-hmm. from the house. So I mean, it's, it's possible. If these two men are the ones involved, it may be. Another theory I have is Darren was the one who did it. Darley didn't want it. these D names. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. they're and all Devin, these. Devin, Darley, uh, Darren, Damon, Drake. Uh, this episode is brought to you by the letter D. <laughs> this episode of Lone Star 187 is brought to you by the letter D. So, <laughs> so I mean, wow. Like, maybe Darren said, I'm going to do this. You're either with me or against me or something like that. And maybe Darley really didn't know how to go against him. I don't I don't know. And like I said, that's just a theory. But my final theory almost makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> Thanks for your honesty. Okay, I'm, I'm, and I'm going to, I'm just, this is just a, this is one like I'm grasping for straws at. Like, I'm not saying this is what happened. I'm saying it could happen. Aliens. Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> they laser beamed the the screen open. <laughs> Down and they yeah they that's that's what happened. They they possessed Darley to kill her kids. Exactly. But no, uh, but no um my theory is are you familiar with a woman by the name of Diane Downs? Mm-mm. No. Okay, Diane Downs was another mother uh, who killed her children in 1984. Uh, she shot them while they were sitting in the back seat. Damn. Oh yes. God. And one of the motives that was given was because she had a boyfriend who was not ready for children yet. That sounds familiar to me now. That's a theory that I have. Like, what okay. if what if Darley had killed? It was like, okay, so I want to get in this relationship with somebody, uh, and they're not. They don't want kids. Well, with the financial trouble that I'm in, I, I don't need kids, so, and she killed the kids, or she let the guy in, and he killed the kids. Yep. I mean, like, like I said, I've got no evidence to say <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> but it's one of those things that makes you think. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. I mean, anything, at this point, anything could be possible. I mean, because the evidence just is everywhere. Yeah, and it doesn't line up with their story at all. So we know they're lying about what happened. Here's a question question that I have. Um, According to a lot of the things that I read on this case and some of the documentaries I saw, uh, Darlene was found without her underwear. Oh, I didn't didn't know that. She 
was found like her, and I and I don't I don't really like this word, but they found her without her panties. I didn't know that. But did she normally sleep without underwear? Who well, sleeps downstairs with their children without your underwear on? And it's a weird thing to pick up on, but there was a moment where she told somebody that when she woke up and saw somebody standing over her, she remembered feeling pressure, quote, down there. Did they ever do a rape kit on Darlie? As far as I know, like, in all of my education, if somebody comes into the ER that's been attacked... They get a rape kit. It doesn't matter. Even if they don't think they were raped, they get a rape kit. I mean, and, and that was and that was that was my thought because I don't remember hearing anywhere that a rape kit was performed on Darlie. Yeah. I didn't and I hear it anywhere. That on the only thing I can think of is maybe they didn't because it was emergency surgery. So that means that they were she was being put under and they were going to be cathing her and putting her under. So they may not have gotten one because her life was more important at that point. And, a, and another question that, that I have. Um, so Darlie was, in her own words, was a light sleeper. Yep. She went downstairs. One of the stories she said, she went downstairs because Drake kept her up. That would raise the question, how could she sleep through this? That's in, one podca- in one podcast I listened to, and I think it was Crime Junkie. It may not have been. I don't know. Um, but I think, because y- y- when you listen to a lot of them, mm-hmm. you know, back to back to back, it's hard to tell. But I, th- I, th- I want to say it was Crime Junkie. One of them brought up, did they ever test the stock for chemicals? I don't know. That's a good question. Probably not, because they still can't get any... I think the bloody fingerprint that they found is still stuck in a lab somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can't tell me they... What is your your theory with the chemicals on the sock? Chloroform. Oh, my God. Oh, man, I got chills. Oh, my God, I think you just cracked the case. Wow. I don't think anyone has ever brought that up. That's a really, really good... Yeah, because if she was chloroformed, then... She wouldn't wake up. She wouldn't hear it. And I actually have it right here. Oh, shit. <laughs> shit. You scared the shit out of me. I know. I scared myself. <laughs> we didn't know what was going on. And so I have this paragraph in my story that actually says, how would you be able to sleep while this is happening to your children and you? How do you wake up already stabbed and not while you're being stabbed? And then I have, how do you not hear your children on the same floor as you as they're being stabbed? Like, I don't. I have that same question, but chloroform would explain that. It would explain it, and it would explain why there's little to no blood, because they didn't use it for anything other than to put over her face. And exactly. then, they did say that they may have found some of like her DNA on the sock, but it wasn't blood. What is damn, they used? Damn. That's a good I mean, that, That's a good one. That would be the only way I would believe that she didn't do it. No, no, but very it's a good, strong, very, very good theory. Why aren't we cops? Why aren't we cops? Like, I want to be a detective so bad. We want to be private investigator, right? Like, I, like, I have friends that are like, "Hey, so my daughter's dating this guy. Can I give you his information?" I'm like, "Give me one hour." Yeah, and I mean, I mean, they, they talk, I've, I've heard them talk about postpartum depression in this case, but I, I don't think I've ever heard postpartum psychosis be brought up in this. I mean, and you could, you could also reference the case of Andrea Yates when you yes. think about. Yeah, and like Darlie, she was also a stay-at-home mom, which I think adds so much more pressure because you don't ever get a break unless they're asleep. Oh my gosh, this quarantine! I love my children, (laughs) but this quarantine, having to work from home and teach them from home and be with them every meal, every day inside the house, and not be able to go—like I was for—it wasn't for my sisters and my mom coming over and helping with me. I would have gone bonkers, (laughs) and they're nine and ten. I mean, I can, I can only imagine how that was like because I was quarantined 
point uh, for two weeks by myself. Like right after my wife and I got back from our honeymoon, like we got married in March, and like the week that uh, the week that everything got shut down, we were in New York City. Oh wow! <laughs> the mayor announced that effective immediately, New York City's on shutdown. And when we got back, I was t- I was told that I couldn't go back to work for another two weeks. Mm-hmm. And my wife, being a nurse, they basically said, "If you've got a pulse, you've got a job to do. Come on in." So I was, you know, I was practically by myself for that time, and I almost went crazy. So I can only imagine, mm-hmm. you know. So I've got like I just looked up something because it crossed my mind while we were talking about the chloroform. Like I was looking it up to see if it affects blood, and I can't figure out like what some of these big words that I was looking up means. But here's where what originally caught my eye, and it says uh, chronic oral exposure to chloroform in humans has resulted in effects on blood, liver, and kidneys. Okay. So I'm thinking, what if it actually thins it out? And I don't know if it does or not. And maybe that's how she got the bruises. That's a very good oh, point. Oh, wow. That could be it. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe, yeah, maybe when they, they stuck her with the IV and, and did that, maybe the blood was just mm-hmm. so thin. And, yeah. And maybe, maybe that's why she was bleeding so much when she was sliced. Yeah. Because yeah. it thins out your blood. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would make, in my, with how it affects your body and puts you in a comatose state, it makes sense that it, it could thin your blood a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I could see that. But, you know, I don't know how, because it's something that you breathe in, right? So it's going to go into your lungs. And I know, yeah. I know obviously, the oxygenated blood is going to absorb it, which is what's going to go to your brain, which is what's going to put you out. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, he could have put it on there and left it on her face. And she could have been continuously sucking in that chloroform True. for a yes. long period of time. Yeah. And when she come to, they when they started coming to, they just took off running. and Or maybe they just grabbed the sock and then they left. And they expected her to be dead. And yeah. as they're running down the alley, they throw the sock. Like it was found next to a garbage can. Maybe they were trying to throw it in the garbage can, but missed. Well, actually, underneath, it was a sewer. So oh, they, okay. they thought maybe they were trying to throw it into the sewer, and they missed, because it was just right there, like, here's the the sewer, right? And underneath here is the, where the opening is, and the sock's, like, right here, and then the trash can's, like, right here. Um, maybe they just thought that it would go in the sewer, and they didn't have time to go back and look, obviously, because they just kill people, right? right. So they don't yeah. have time to make sure that they don't have any QA. Yeah, it's really good. This is a really good um, episode. I... I enjoyed this one. the The last one was good, but I enjoyed this more having Anna. I'm really yeah, glad sure. that. Yeah. I mean, I hate that we had to re-record it, um, but I'm glad because this time you got to be a part of it, and that's what we wanted from the beginning. So. And you said chloroform, so now I'm intrigued. Yeah, I know. Like yeah. now I'm gonna do some. Like, like I actually, uh, that wasn't that actually wasn't anything I found like the first time we went through. Right. Yeah. So going back and trying to do this because I told you that I was I was refreshing my notes throughout that I stumbled mm-hmm. across uh, chloroform. Yeah, the, everything in. I found the chloroform uh, information. I was like, "Whoa, this is something new." Mm-hmm. Well, and it's yeah. tangible; like it's very possible. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it it can tell a story. It was actually the first thing in the history of this case that actually made sense. Yeah, and that's the missing link. You know, like once you find what piece of evidence is missing to make everything else make sense. You know, yeah. like then they're like, oh, "Okay, now everything, now everything I've read, now it makes sense." But that's where missing that. That piece. Is there anything in the blood that would tell them she had chloroform in her system? Only if you check them within like an hour. Or I was so. gonna say. Like, I mean, they'd have to check her. So even if she had, when she went into surgery, they still wouldn't have known at that point. It no. was too long. Okay. Yeah. And with how much she bled, it's possible it may not even been in her system anymore. Yeah. How much blood she lost. 
it, her body wouldn't have had time to make new blood, uh, yeah. or it was trying to make new blood so fast that she would have, I don't think they would have seen it in her system. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you can test for that in the blood. The, it just seems like the authorities ran with the uh, the, the witch hunt, like, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is who did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, motive doesn't matter. Uh, how we got here is not where, where we're from, it's where we're at. Mm-hmm. This is where we're at, and this is what we're going with. Yep. And I think that's what, uh, that's what the cops went with in this case. Yeah, especially because even the, the detective said, as soon as I got there and I looked at the crime scene, I knew that it was an inside job. He said, I knew she was lying. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, they already, they before the investigation had really even started, where they even knew if she was going to survive. Like, what would they have done if she hadn't survived? Would they have just gone after Darren? I mean, he did, he did say in that interview, he's like, if Darlie had made it, I'd be the one on death row. Probably right. sure. You know? That's right. And, and let's not, and let's not uh, forget the fact, you know, Darren has stayed by Darlie's side this entire time. I mean, mm-hmm. they divorced in 2011, mm-hmm. but he's still on Team Darlie as far as he has not once come out and said a, uh, a bad word about her. He has not once come out and said that he believes that she did it. Mm-hmm. Um, their divorce was actually full, pretty much. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, she's um, in jail. But, I mean, it, forever. Uh, it, 2011, so years after this, and also I think it's I think it's uh, appropriate to bring up. You know, we've been talking about uh, Devin and we've been talking about Damon, uh, but the one who got away, Drake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a few years ago, Drake was uh, diagnosed with leukemia. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And the last I heard is leukemia is uh, in remission. So. Good. So how old is he now? Well. <laughs> So he's, about he's what, 24? He's, he's a little older than younger. younger. Yeah, so my daughter was born in 95, so he's a year younger than her. So 24. All right, well, um, rest in peace, Damon and Devin. Yeah. And um, thanks again. Blood is thicker. We appreciate you coming on and ha- sharing this episode with us, and we look forward to the next one. Yeah. We appreciate you having us. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye, y'all. Uh, he said anything. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>